Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, from Arcadian Court in downtown Toronto. Welcome to the Empire Club of Canada. For those of you just joining us through either our webcast or podcast, welcome to the meeting. John Chen and Amber Canwar, uh, we'll, I'm introducing them right now. Like all successful companies, BlackBerry continues to reinvent itself. And one of the main reasons this has happened is because of the leadership of John Chen. John, in his role as executive chairman and CEO of BlackBerry, is a major change agent. He has an impressive legacy at BlackBerry, including establishing a new market category called the Enterprise of Things, breaking records in the company's gross margin as well as software and services revenue. But most notably to all who know BlackBerry and most Canadians who continue to root for BlackBerry's continued success, John has pivoted BlackBerry from a hardware company to a software and services company. Because of his new focus, BlackBerry software is now in 120 million cars, hundreds of millions of connected things or drones, robots, cars, smart meters, medical devices, and documents. All of the G7 countries uh, use BlackBerry software, and all of the largest Fortune 100 commercial banks use commercial software. Mr. Chen came to BlackBerry as a distinguished leader and has uh, and a proven turnaround executive with more than 30 years of engineering and management experience along with a reputation that extends well beyond the BlackBerry industry and the technology industry. Prior to joining BlackBerry, John served as chairman and CEO of Sybase Incorporated. He reinvented that company too and led it through 55 consecutive quarters of profitability, providing outstanding shareholder returns during his 15-year tenure. In 2017, Ascend Canada named John Executive of the Year for his outstanding contributions to BlackBerry, delivering business results, demonstrating leadership, and being at the forefront of innovation. He is named one of Canada's top 50 most powerful business people by Canadian Business in 2014. A global business leader with a strong interest in policy, John has testified before Congress on U.S.-China trade relations and was appointed by U.S. President George Bush to serve as the President's expert counsel. John is an active philanthropist. His charitable giving is focused on helping children. Amber Kamwar is an expert when it comes to financial markets and disruptive technologies. As a successful host of Business News Network's flagship morning show, Business Day AM, and co-host of CTV's The Disruptors, she has interviewed everyone from CEOs of major companies to startup technology entrepreneurs, fund managers, politicians, and thought leaders. Amber is a relentless digger, always looking for ways to break down complex topics and ideas and making them accessible to anyone who is interested. Amber has a Master's of Journalism degree from Ryerson University and a Bachelor of Management and Organizational Studies degree from University of Western Ontario. So today we're having a special event where Amber and John will be talking to us together on stage. Uh, so ladies and gentlemen, please give a warm welcome to John, Chen, and Amber Kanwar. Right. Thank you, Ken, for that. And John, thank you for being uh, here with us. And it's a pleasure to speak with you again. Thank you. Thank you. So Lovely I guess uh, I, I always hate when they read the bio. How do you feel? Yours is quite, it's quite impressive. 
Uh, Are you just beaming? On, you on the just, bio? Yeah. Oh, I, yes. I think it's missing a bunch of accomplishment, but... <laughs> there uh, could be more. There could always know, be but more. Anyway, but anyway, in the interest of time, uh, we'll, we'll <laughs> just let it, by, let it be. Uh, one of the things uh, that Ken said about me is that I, I break down complex things and make them accessible. And it feels like one of the complex things these days is explaining what is BlackBerry? What, because it was really easy back in the day, they made smartphones, and now you're going into all these different markets. And I wonder how you answer that question when people ask, when I'm asking, how do you explain what BlackBerry is today? Well, the top line is Black, we're trying to pivot BlackBerry into a security software and services company. That's the top line. Then the, the next line down is that a, a particular market that we like to serve that you all know as the IoT market, Internet of Things, and I'm gonna break it down to, you know, yesterday I was at New York Stock Exchange um, speaking to a number of customers, and, 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 and I thought the right narrative, um, and since we're so many Canadians here, I think you will resonate with that, um, especially some of the former colleagues uh, in the room here. I think if you, kind of um, look at the trend of the industry. There are two things that's happening. It's a very simple thing, nothing technologically complicated. Number one is everything wants to talk to everything. Okay, so that's number one. And, and, and that created this whole internet of things, but it's just how you talk to each other. And the second thing is, and which is, I know is now a hot topic at Toronto, um, which is about privacy and security. So not that, not only does everything want to talk to everything else, but they want to talk it in a way that is controlled privacy and security. So I think BlackBerry has every right to be the platform of choice um, for that evolution. So, so we, we want to focus on the communications of that. Um, that's, a long, that's a much longer uh, answer, but it's more of a layman answer than you know, all these buzzwords about technology, it really is about facilitating secure communication between things. Uh, and then, you know, then everything, there's a lot of thinking on it. Now let me spend a minute, um, I, I promise you this is the only commercial that I would do for BlackBerry, I promise you that. Um, the, um, the reason why this is important, because you all need to know, if you dig, if you kind of, everybody thinks BlackBerry is a handset company. I, at least in 2007, everybody thinks so. So what is more important about a handset was what drove the handset success. So BlackBerry had invented a number of very significant technology that the world actually, either some was still trying to keep up or, or, or trying to get to, some of them, you know, benefited from it. Um, you know, one of the technology was this whole wireless infrastructure and communications. Well, guess what? If you want everything to talk to each other, you need that infrastructure uh, and technology. The other one is cryptology. I don't know how many of you know that BlackBerry still own, or owns a company, is still the number one, run the number one cryptology company in the market called Certicom. It's actually out of Ottawa, and I don't know how many people actually know that. Um, so. That's another thing. That provides the security protocol. And, and most recently, we made an announcement about two, three weeks ago in New York 
about working with another company <laughs> actually built by, funded by my list reader and built by a lot of the former colleagues of BlackBerry called Isara. And we're attempting to recognize quantum computer hacking. You know, and, and this is going to be a big deal sometime in the future. But I just want to impress you that we're way ahead of some of the games. Um, and so that's that second thing. So there are a number of inventions that BlackBerry had created to allow these cell phones to talk to each other securely. And you get email everywhere in the world. And you get great mem um, uh, coverages uh, in terms of uh, signal coverages and, and, and the likes. And then, of course, we never should never con uh, forget about the keyboard and the thing that never needs any charging. Um, all these technology are useful to what we're talking about here. Um, how does things talk to each other securely? And I really do believe uh, there is no other company today is focusing on that particular problem, nor is there any company have the kind of the birthrights other than BlackBerry um, that could do this. And um, so we're very excited about it, but it, it, it causes another kind of minor evolution, revolution in our company because we went from building hardware to ex, you know, ex, exporting software, so to speak, and then we went from there to really try to figure out how to build a communication platform. Um, lots of so I'll, I'll take your free advertising, but uh, essentially the trend is there. Things are going to be connected, and you're going to want to do that securely. And I think we've seen that. So my question to you is then why don't you have more customers? What has been the difficulty in translating, if you see that market opportunity, to big, bigger numbers for BlackBerry? Well, we have 20,000 customers. I don't know what more. <laughs> I think you want more than that. Well, we do, we do. You want them to pay I don't more? want you to leave the impression that we don't have customers. Yes, yeah. We got twenty dollars. <laughs> we we are extremely well known in the auto industries. We are we have 120 million cars using our software today, and they're mostly connected cars. And in the future, a number of autonomous platforms, including ones in China, ones in Japan, ones in Germany, ones in the United States, and so forth. So um, I think the, the future will continue to be a, a, a dominant player uh, in that. We're very strong in governments. Um, I just wish the Canadian government would buy more. This is a budgetary thing. Um, and, um, but we're very strong in government. Um, that's just like in Washington, D.C., we got four million people, you know, civilian and military people connected to our system, and we manage crisis management. Just in the D Department of Defense was 2.3 million. That included every, you know, the, basically most of all the armed forces um, that you could think of. So, I mean, these are not publicized facts, but it's not a secret either. I mean, I used it with customer. So, but the, you know, so, so, so we have pretty good customer base. Now, um, I guess what I'm asking is, you know, why isn't the growth exploding? Because the growth in connected things is exploding, and it feels like the need for security is is getting more and more uh, real every day. So why isn't the growth exploding? Is it because the technology is growing, but it's not there yet, and there are bugs to work out, or because we talk a lot about security, but people aren't willing to pay up for it. Um, it's interesting. Um, I, I, I think it's still a little early 
um, it, because um, people still tend to, when things talk to each other, um, so far things still are more in the family. For example, I don't know how many use I use folks shamefully use this iPhone, um, and you know, AirDrop is not exactly connecting with Samsung or BlackBerry device. You could AirDrop to each other, but it's not. So people are still very, you know, kind of silo-minded. Walled gardens. Yes, walled garden. Good point. And, and so we are looking for a different trend. We're looking for a trend that we really need, especially enterprise, really needs everything to talk to each other. Um, and so this is still early. But judging from the speed of things that could connect that are being created every day, uh, it will come. It will come soon. So, uh, so I, I, it's, it's, a, it's a forthcoming thing. Let's talk about cars because you mentioned how prevalent you are there. Uh, you're in the cars, and I think you're trying to get more out of, uh, what is it? Is it $10 per car, roughly? I finished the, it. Yes. Ten, you know, for BlackBerry technology, and you'd like to be $20 uh, per car or higher. How do you get there, and how do you compete with the people that are already in the car? Are you doing something different than the other technology that's in there? Um, okay. So um, currently, so-called the average per user um, is somewhere sitting about 3 to $5. Um, this uh, BlackBerry uh, acquired a company uh, called QNX in Ottawa um, from Harman. You know, Harman is now belongs to Samsung, but it's a tier one company. What are the tier one company? They build components for car manufacturers, loosely called as OEM. Right, so, um, you know, BMW will say to um, Bosch or um, or Harman to say, okay, I need a dashboard. Um, so here's the spec of the dashboard. Then this, this, these people go build this dashboard, and in there they will insert QNX code. Um, why is that? Because QNX is the only certified, a safety certified operating systems in the market. So this is why everybody uses QNX, in, in, especially in more the safety and mission critical uh, area. So the company, when I first joined, uh, were very focused on taking this piece of code and put it in the cell phone. And actually, uh, many of you have touched that cell phone called BB10, you know, and so you, you, you have the Q10, Z10, Z30, um, Classic, Passport, those are all BB10 devices. In there is one of the world's safest operating systems, there is. So um, when the crew came and took a look at the strategy and said, well, the cell phone has limited market appeal, a bigger market will be in this whole new transportation movement, which is connected cars and autonomous driven cars. Um, so we start working on that. But we still very much focus on something called the infotainment systems. This is the, the system that control you know, your CD and your maps and all, the, all, all those little things. And you know, that, that it's been growing quite well. It's still growing. Um, we still have a growth last quarter. But it's not a high growth area. Um, and, and in addition to that, there are some really you know, uh, qualified competition. Um, because this is not, doesn't really highlight safety. So the strategy that we had three years ago was starting to create safety components when you said um, all these other things. 
These are telematic systems and over-the-air vehicle-to-vehicle communications, and you know, so the list goes on. Virtual cockpit and all that, and and so they're more towards mission critical and safety. Um, and we also created something called a hypervisor, um, which is important for the future. So with that, since we charge by components, this is where how we're going to move this so-called ARPU from maybe three to five dollars that declining to more like 10, 15, 20 dollars. Um, and, and in addition to that, we have a long list of plans to create services. Um, think about, you know, how do, how do you know the car is not hacked and who manages all that safety and, you know, all that. We would like to be part of that. And, and so there are, there are a lot of opportunities um, yet to be executed. What you just described is, is really fascinating. You had this technology and then as you came in, you're deciding, well, it doesn't really apply to this market or it applies to a market that's dying smart smartphones for BlackBerry. So how can we pivot it to other things? So autos, uh, you also do asset, package, uh, asset tracking, um, healthcare. That's a lot of different industries that require different things. So in addition to selling to them, what is it like to do that as a company, the innovation culture at BlackBerry, do you try and set a tone where it's okay to fail? Because presumably these people have worked there, they did one thing, and now all of a sudden you're going to th these different markets. That's a really difficult thing to pivot an entire company in new uncharted directions. It sounds like you've had to bob and weave a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of... Um it is, it's, it's a lot of care and feeding and adjustment. Um, um, if there is a criticism of myself, I actually let engineering people run wild. Um, and, you know, the salespeople always criticize me of letting the engineers <laughs> go engineer. Um, and they, they engineer things like, um, because, I, well, first of all, um, being biased, I, I was an engineer, I was trained as an engineer, I was an engineer for many years. I know creativity cannot be legislated. Um, I, I know you can't say you have to do a design. I mean, it's not like you were talking to a writer. Say, so you're going you know, to write a book in 30 days, and it has to be this, 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 and that. The, the writers, most of the time, especially a good one, will come up with a formulate-driven book, which will sell nothing, you want to have some kind of breakthrough. You really do need to let the engineers or developers go develop. Um, and so I usually don't force you have to do this by then unless there's a major customer milestone involved. And even then, I try not to create a culture of, well, we'll do whatever. We do anything for a deal. I think that's taken to an extreme, hurts a company. Um, and so... Um, Yes, that, that culture exists in the company. And we have more engineers than salespeople, which is part of my problem, because um, our channel and reach is not as good as it should be. That may go back to your earlier questions about how come you don't <laughs> grow better, but um, uh, so that, I, we have a different philosophy. Yes. Um, so um, it, it, there is that culture, um, and it needs to be balanced, and it needs to be managed, and... Um, 
that's probably probably the answer. So how do you, because you the, the pressure to perform is so great, because you get questions like, why don't you have more customers from people like me? Uh -huh. uh, and then how do you deal with something, you know, you see all those opportunities that don't work out. I remember talking to you a few years ago about BBM, and this is when what's, uh, Facebook paid, you know, $17 billion for WhatsApp. 19, 19 billion. God, can't miss those two. Um, and, and you, you know, that, that got people excited because they were excited about the possibility for BBM. And these days, what well, happened? You know, what happened you, to that? This is one of those things that, you know, I don't agree with Trump, but, but there's some kind of a, it's not a fake news, but, you know, the media like to take things out of context. Uh, let me explain to you what exactly happened. You know, I was at Mobile World Congress the day that Facebook announced that they would buy WhatsApp for 19 billion. Uh, I was interviewed by CNBC, uh, and they asked how what, how do I feel about it. I said, if somebody wanted to pay me 19 billion for BBM, I would sell it in a heartbeat. <laughs> right? And then somewhere along the line, that become like one of my goals that my board laid out. You know, you need to sell BBM for 19 billion, right? And it's like, wait, wait, wait. I I was responding to an answer of something that I actually don't know. Okay, I showed up in Barcelona and they said, oh, by the way, Facebook just bought WhatsApp at 19 billion. What do you think about that? I said, you know, I have the same technology. If you don't, they want to pay me 19 billion, I certainly will sell it. I guess this is probably too much humor for, for media. <laughs> you still remember. I, I think I have a sense of humor, but I will go back because I also asked you that question. You did. And, and you did talk optimistically about this being a meaningful contributor yes. to revenue. Yes. It's, and it, it is it's, not? Well, how do you know that? We never disclose that. <laughs> well, I would assume if it was meaningful, you would disclose we have it. A, we have a partner taking BBM consumer around the world, starting in Indonesia. Um, the speed is not as good as we would have wanted. That's a true statement. We also took BBM into enterprise, called BBM Enterprise. The entire Canadian civil service is on BBM Enterprise. BBM Enterprise is being used by how Canadian government operates today. And we wanted to take it to beyond. Um, I appreciate Canadian government support, um, but we need to do better than that. I would agree that it hasn't lived up to its potential um, yet. yet. Um, we're not going to give up on BBM Enterprise um, because this is how we operate too in our own company. When, um, we'll stick with the microscope. So, 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 yeah. so wait, wait, if your question implied that how do I feel about being asked of the failure or lack of... Traction for track BBM, traction, yeah. Well. Compared to your own forecast, you know, oh. when you first came in, right. you, you were very optimistic about this. Being exactly. A, I think it was 100 million. Oh, then, then actually, I'm not going to disclose it. We're not too far away from that. Okay. So you got close. Right. So... I, I'm hoping for more, um, I would say. But, but all, all joking aside, there are things that didn't work out. There's no question about that. Um, and, you know, that's the, the, that's the nature of the technology business. Um, you know, we, we should never, fit, you know, we should never shy away from, from trying um, and, and set up goals that could be transparent with others. Um, I recently, last quarter, said that we're, for the next three years, we have this asset access SS tracking system that used the cloud technology that we, we feel very good about and very proud of. 
all, all built in Canada, by the way. Um, and um, we believe uh, we could, in three years, we can make $100 million cumulatively, cumulatively, right, uh, for $100 million. And we don't do more than $5 million a year today. Um, so we're putting a plan to do that. It might work, it might not work, but I think having a realistic goal, maybe a little loftier than, you know, it's, it's, good for, it's good for our company. It's good for our employees, it's good for our company. And even if I don't make 100 million, I make 75 million, it's so, certainly a lot better than 5 million a year. Um, so I, I, think, um, I think this is quite normal. So when you first walked in um, the door as CEO, you weren't facing the right markets. I'm hearing you say that it feels like today you've got the product and you're facing the right markets. And now, what is the next step now that that's happening? Well, we got the company financially quite stable. Uh, we make money, um, we generate cash, we got quite a bit of cash um, in the bank that you know, I think our net cash is 1.7 billion. Um, you know, versus a number of years ago, uh, that was a problematic area. Um, so um, we're improving our margin quite a bit. So we're poised to invest. Another way to say it is, um, we have to grow the top line. Um, now we could grow in one or many different ways. Uh, we could um, grow by organically um, creating. Um, like, for example, get into, in, in addition to getting into automobile, get into the drones, for example. Um, mm. you know, um, we're building some, you know, one project that we're toying with is maybe you SF track um, air cargo. Um, you know, um, Air Canada is one of the largest air, you know, cargo transportation um, uh, uh, vendor. So those things could be, could be, we're focusing on doing some of those stuff. So this is organically. So invest in our own technology and grow it into a different vertical. The inorganic is, you know, given the amount of money that we have, um, although the stock market is a little crazy in terms of uh, multiples, uh, we, will, we will do some reasonably significant investment. In public market companies? Well, in public or private, you know, it's, but the multiple, for those of you in the room, in a, in a financial market, you know, the, 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 you know, if, they vary, if the valuation kept up there, all the private company, uh, before they go IPO, um, we, might, we might buy them. So there's been a little bit of a sell-off. I don't know if you uh, noticed that. Has that uh, created things that are a bit more active than in your portfolio? Have they come back down to more reasonable levels? Um, it, it, the sell-off has been quite short-lived. I need the market to crash. <laughs> I feel like there's a bunch of people. Oh, I mean, maybe don't you don't, but, <laughs> but 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 on behalf of BlackBerry, you, you see, um, um, we got 1.7 billion or 2.4 billion or whatever it is, and the board's very supportive to do the right transformational deal, um, and um, you know, you could say there's a lot of money. You could say that's actually not enough. <laughs> uh, so you know, when we kind of like when you show up buying with some cash, you would like the price to be more reasonable. So, you know, a crashing market, 
let us buy it, and then it will go, up, go back up again. We will look like heroes. Well, there's a, a lot of things that could crash the market, and I guess we can transition there into politics because okay. uh, it's on those headlines that, that a lot of these things move. Um, and I know that you have been involved, and, and Kent mentioned that you've been involved uh, with the Republican Party in, in different ways, but you've been vocally uh, against Donald Trump. Uh, oh, whoa, whoa. Uh, this, is on, <laughs> this is on tape. Uh, so were the comments, I believe. Uh, I, I, I can't... I can't uh, Agree with you on that statement, but go ahead. Sorry, disagreeing on, on it, different principles then. Maybe that's a better way to say it. So as we sit here today, um, and, and perhaps talking in Canada, now that we have the NAFTA deal done, uh, what do you make of the administration, the accomplishments, and what it means for business leaders, particularly in Canada? Uh, there was a lot of anxiety, a lot of hand-wringing, uh, rhetoric, and then at the end of the day, with NAFTA, a, a deal got done. Yeah, um, I, I, I think people have asked me before, uh, I know this U.S.-Canada deal will get done. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it, first of all, if you look at the two countries, um, the supply chain is so integrated, uh, I don't know how you separate the two. Um, I, um, it's almost you know, worse than the scale of the whole Brexit, Brexit um, conversation. Um, I, I don't even know how you so. I know the deal will be done. I'm glad the deal is done, and I'm, I'm actually glad um, that, n that not much change, really. Um, we know from day one um, the U.S. administration is going after um, the, uh, the, the, the pharmaceutical industry. Uh, it really is about the generic, generics versus, and that's been, seems to be the cent central theme of that new agreement. You know, um, I guess letting Americans to sell a little bit more cheese and milk, um, it's probably okay. And in the overall scheme of the GDP comparison, that's, that's minute. Um, you know, it's not even a, a count. Um, and then we have a long list of IP um, resolutions, uh, procedural thing. Um, and, and I think, you know, those are really reflecting of the current practice anyway. So nothing really you know, earth-shattering and significant has changed. And so, so the deal's done. Uh, I'm but it didn't sound like that, right? You're right. The, the end product doesn't seem like it was worth all that drama that took place. Um, as a business leader, it sounds like you just sat down and, and thought practically about what could happen and ignored the drama? Is that what you did? Or were there points where um, either you or other members of the C-suite were, were thinking, what is going on here? No, I, I, I think, um, first of all, um, we have, I have personally met with various ministers um, and expressed what will be important to BlackBerry. Um, I, I, I've done that um, a number of times, including our trade negotiator and the team. Um, and, but um, I never, uh, you don't really react to things that, um, that until it's negotiated, um, you just want to make sure that the Canadian government knows what could hurt us um, and they're very receptive to that, um, to that set of input. So, um, you know, it all turns out to be a good outcome. Did you feel uh, like the Canadian team 
did a good job in terms of hearing from the corporate community, but then also executing? For, for I, I don't know about um, for others. Uh, for BlackBerry, yes, I, I feel very um, satisfied with our, the receptivity. Our legal team had worked with um, the negotiation team. Um, I have met with the ambassadors to the United States. I have met with Minister Freeland a number of times. I have met with Minister Bain. I met with, you know, a number of the key important um, constituents in that. Um, and they seem to be extremely recept you know, receptive to, very friendly about, you know, very open about our, uh, what, what's important to us. Does it matter to you um, if there is a perception or reality that relations are strained? Does it affect you as a business leader if uh, the U.S. relations with Canada are strained? Or, you know, the U.S. relations with anybody because you, you have big presence in the United States is strained uh, with any global country that matters for business. Yeah, um, that, that needs to be watched, and we do watch it very carefully. Um, you, you'll have to look at it in a couple of um, areas. Number one is um, United States and Canada um, have very deep relationship on military cooperation. Uh, you know, Canada is the first line of defense for NORAC. Um, so, you know, the in amount of military ranks on both countries, they actually observe each other ranks. Right? So, um, as long as that relation doesn't change, um, all the other things kind of doesn't really matter. Partly reason, I mean, well, selfishly, I only, I mean, I'm, I'm paid for by BlackBerry, I'm, so I'm only speaking for BlackBerry. Um, you know, we do an enormous amount of work with armed forces in the United States, and um, uh, you know, as I said earlier, we have 2.3 million user um, in the U.S. armed forces uh, under the Department of Defense. Um, so, um, you know, to us, that relationship of uh, being looked at as, as friends rather than yeah. foe is, is of ultimate importance to us, and I can't stress the more important that. Second level is the whole five-I country. Um, and, you know, this is one of the reasons why, despite the fact that China is a huge market, we don't do a lot in China other than autos, because, um, you know, we are, we are very sensitive to not violating or, or, or creating distrust uh, or concern from the 5 I, I country, which are, you know, Australia, New Zealand, UK, Canada, and United States. So, but those are our major market uh, federal. So those are the second thing. And then they'll have the G... G15 of the G20, so you could, you could probably figure out why I left out five. But um, so that's also extremely important. So when we do our kind of go-to-market mapping um, and where resources is, and those are, those are the important considerations. You mentioned China, and that's an interesting area. It's also very topical. Uh, so it's a huge market. Everybody is salivating at the opportunity to be there. Uh, but you said there are some compromises that we won't make. And just recently, Google, um, well, whether they wanted to admit it or not, that the, there was uh, some sort of search engine project uh, for China. And previously, they were very, um, almost took a moral stance against going in there because of surveillance and, and things like that. What is BlackBerry's stance and approach to, to those kind of things, operating in any country where a state would want access to the content that people are using, whether it's enterprise or consumer. Okay, um, 
good question. Um, I can't speak for Google. I don't work there. Uh, I could speak for BlackBerry. Um, from day one, before my time, and since I came, I took a very strong review and interest in this because I knew this was going to be more and more of important issues. Um, and uh, a couple of things you need to know. Uh, we have always been an observer of something called the lawful access. Um, and we will continue to maintain um, that if we need to help the government with a subpoena on, on doing something to help the society, at least the government deemed failing that way, uh, we will then do what we can to support it. Uh, so this is why, you know, you know, but that I, means different things in different countries. Uh, that implied different things in different countries. And where you operate is important. Now, now we go back to where I operate. I operate. Um, I see. I see where you're You know the yeah. five, the five I and the and the G15. Yeah. So I operate differently. So those countries, as long as the leadership and the democratic process doesn't change, and the court system is independent, judiciary. Um, that doesn't change, then, then yes, we will still maintain our lawful access position. We will maintain that. I, I had one time um, exercise when Pakistan, um, uh, early in my career here at BlackBerry, when Pakistan would want to have um, a unlock key basically on every server, um, we have made a tough decision of removing ourselves from the market. Um, we fortunately, at the very last minute, between the Pakistan um, uh, communication authorities and, and our company, we reached uh, on a lawful access consensus. So that, that went on pretty well, so we didn't end, end up leaving. But we would have left. We're prepared the, to. The, yeah, we're prepared to exit. And we'll do the same thing with everywhere else where we do business. Before we open it up uh, to the floor, I want to ask you about emerging technology. So you've talked a lot about being in vehicles. How far, in your opinion, um, is, is autonomous driving, is that a real and sustainable trend do you think that people want? It's definitely real. Um, so um, I, I think everybody home into the technology. Um, the technology could be here. Is it 100%? No. But, but it will save life. And um, so even in today's technology, the cost of manufacturing may be higher than most people would like to pay, but most likely that's going to get find itself into more commercial. For example, autonomous truck. Okay, and, you know, there's a hard time finding truck drivers, a, a high cost of truck, and so so maybe it's more commercial driven in the beginning, and then and then uh, more consumer driven. Um, so, but the issue is not um, it's not technology. It's not even about cost. The issue about policy, and um, um, I, I really believe the policy and governments around the world, and even in Canada and the United States, and have definitely fell behind the technology trend. Um, you know, you could have you could talk about this area. So, for example, um, you, know, you put a car out autonomously. Uh, the definition of safety is important. Um, who managed that safety? Um, and and by the way, today you and I pay for car insurance. So when we have an accident in an autonomous vehicle, you haven't done anything. Even if you're drinking like a horse, you still haven't done anything yourself. Who is supposed to bear the liability? I don't think the government has defined that. And, you know, and, and, and I would say, if I said none of us should pay for insurance, and nobody should, I think the insurance, I mean, I don't know how many people here are from the insurance industry, will go crazy because, you know, they, 
they, they rely on our paying our premium. And so there's, there's a whole bunch of so, so, social changes and policy changes needed. I know one of the things that, you know, Toronto is dealing with is this whole area about privacy mm -hmm. and this smart city that Google likes to donate to the Canadians. <laughs> you know, everything, anything that's free has a problem. Um, but, you know, that's a different issue. And I know our founder, um, former CEO, had made some very strong comments on paper. Um, but the point is, what it really prompted is the government needs to have not only the autonomous driven, the safety you know, policy, but also needs to drive you know, the data privacy policy. So those things aren't, aren't here, and, and I'm looking forward for that. Is there a place that you think is in the forefront? Is there a city or, or a state you think they're all? I think everybody, you know, in the, in the United States, every state um, is trying to um, do something about it. Um, and I, I know it's uncoordinated. It would be ridiculous to have this set of policy. You know, think about my car. Uh, it's being driven aut autonomously. You know, it leaves California and gets to Arizona and stopped because you're not allowed on certain things. I mean, this is ridiculous. I mean, it, this, this, it, anyway, um, <laughs> nobody is ahead. I always ask um, policymaker, the autonomous vehicle could be a great possibility. It saves lives, it saves time, and it increases productivity. There's, there's no question about that on a stack basis. Doesn't mean that, that does not imply that there is no accident, okay? But it's a lot less accident than today. Um, but the issue is gonna to have to be policy and infrastructure. Let's go back to, uh, I think you raised your eyebrows at that Google Smart City. So what would be your um, advice or, well, let's just call it advice. Well, I don't know in what area. Um, I mean, it's, a, it's a complex subject. You know, so I what have makes a few, you fearful or skeptical about it? I have a few principles um, myself. I mean, this might or may not speak for BlackBerry altogether, but I, I have a principle. First of all, my data is mine. And um, I'm, I don't mind trading you. If you want me to trade for free services, like, you know, you want me to give up my location for Uber, okay, I have to make that decision myself. Uh, and by the way, by giving up Uber, I mean, giving my location to, to get the services like Uber, that does not mean that I want to give up my bank account information, nor do I want to give up my medical information. I think this is one of those things that I've seen arguments on both sides. I've read it. Um, um, I think you need to talk more substantive rather than big picture. Oh, I will never use your data. Well, that, that's complete fiction. I, I try to use a different word, but I know I'm on tape, though. <laughs> that's complete fiction because the reason is, you know, from a Google and, and a lot of the, the, the equivalent type of company, the business model is your data is worth something. So you are the product. You think you are using their services, but you actually are the product, right? So, um, so that's one, one, one problem. And then this other area that people say, and I read most recently, I'm not trying to criticize the individual, but, and they said, uh, oh, um, you could, we promise that everybody had the rights to use the data the same way. This is kind of the latest thing. Well, that's even more ridiculous. <laughs> um, and the reason is, 
If I come in and rob your house, uh, so I promise that everybody will rob your house the same way, coming through the same door or the window. Excuse me, I mean, you're not supposed to come rob my house in the first place, right? So anyway, so the point is, this is a very touchy topic, but it really does need the country to go more granular of what it means. Uh, all right, thank you, John Chen, for those uh, always very forthright comments. Uh, before we end, do we have time for, for one or two questions from the floor? I think one or two, yeah, just one. It's you back there. Uh, John, curious is your thoughts. Obviously, the, uh, this is on Huawei and its network equipment in the Canadian 5G deployment. Obviously, the U.S. bipartisan Senate, and maybe the only bipartisan thing they've done, has encouraged Canada to not let Huawei in. To you, does that read like a legitimate threat to Canadian data security, or is it protectionism? Um, I, I, don't, I, don't, I actually don't know the answer to your question. I, um, there was this whole article about microchip um, in some of those servers that this is beyond the Huawei conversation um, that the Chinese made um, that was somehow found its way in the Amazon infrastructure and a number of different infrastructure and uh, Apple infrastructure, and then they deny that. Um, so um, I, I think, you know, technologically it's easy to certify whether that, that Huawei machine have um, code that trap and collect data. I, I'm sure that it will be, you know, easier to do that. Um, and uh, so without knowing that, you know, it could be more political than otherwise, um, in my in my opinion. But I think Huawei needs to step up and and somehow, um, just like when the Chinese thought or accused many many years ago that Microsoft had traps in the code, and what Bill Gates did was he threw over there and said, "I'll show you my entire code." And I think that needs to have some kind of gesture in that way, so the government could go in and and understand the architecture and so forth, and find a way to make sure that future changes will adhere to that, that, that policy. So um, this, this I, if I'm running Huawei, this is what I would do. All right, and that concludes our talk. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for your attention and your interest. Thank you. I'd like to invite up Michael Van Solen, the third vice president of the Empire Club, to give the thank you to our speakers. Well, uh, I, uh, it's a great honor to have the opportunity to thank uh, BlackBerry CEO uh, John Chen for his remarks. They were very insightful. Um, of course, for all of us in the room, we recognize that BlackBerry is such an iconic brand. Um, and I think for Canadians, you know, maybe more than others, we hold it kind of closer in our mind, and it means something, uh, you know, of greater depth to each of us. Um, I, you know, we recognize, we remember, I suppose, many of us in this room, the first time we got a BlackBerry device and, you know, how much that changed our lives, how we felt uh, untied to our desk. And, you know, I think immediately realized that it was going to change how we communicate with each other, how we access information, and just how go about our daily lives. And, uh, and it's, that, uh, it's that fact, that the fact that BlackBerry did bring the smartphone in the way it did and pioneered it that has made the company such an icon that it is today. 
Uh, it was actually over, uh, it was actually over uh, Thanksgiving weekend. I have a bunch of family in the Guelph, Alora area that I, uh, I w and we went down to St. Jacob's Market and I kind of had a chance to kind of tootle around a bit. And I saw the Blackberry Campus again, which had been uh, quite a while since I'd been, been there. And I realized, I was reminded of how big it was. And I thought of all the smart minds that, are, that have, uh, have gone through there, that work there today. I thought of the engineers running wild. No, that's, that's your words. Uh, and I realized how important that BlackBerry has really been to making Canada the tech hub and the tech center it is today. I don't think Montreal or Toronto or Ottawa or Waterloo uh, would be quite what they were if it wasn't for that pioneering work that uh, BlackBerry first did. And then in listening to you, of course, today, I realized that probably your, your bigger pioneering days are yet ahead, uh, and I think BlackBerry is continuing to m have a huge impact in, in, in the tech culture in this country. As a company, it's growing, uh, moving into areas that uh, go well beyond you know, when I, what I would have ever imagined when I first held that BlackBerry bold in my hand. Um, the, uh, so, so we really appreciate that, uh, the work you're doing with QNX in the cars, uh, trying to figure out quantum computing, computing and hacking. Uh, you know, I really think BlackBerry continues to be a leader and, uh, and a real, uh, you know, for Canada, I think it's a real, still a, a flagship brand that we're very, very proud of. Um, so, so while the BlackBerry phones seem revolutionary, you know, a few years ago. Uh, today, my car talking to my refrigerator, I suppose, is, uh, is equally, uh, equally impressive. So to Amber Kenwar for, uh, for, for hosting, and to John Chen, on behalf of the Empire Club of Canada, thanks so much for coming out today. Okay, uh, we have a number of events coming up. Uh, the sold-out event is of... Minister Rod Phillips is on October 29th, the Minister of the Environment. We also uh, just started, we just launched an event yesterday, Minister uh, Peter Bethenfalvey, uh, President of the Treasury Board, and that's on November 7th, so uh, tickets are going fast for that one, but if you'd like to come back, we'd love to have you. So thank you everyone for coming today and for making this event possible. Thanks again to our sponsors, and this meeting is now adjourned. Thank you.